If we haven't met before, my name is Matt, one of the leaders here. It's great to have you if you're a guest. Um, welcome. I hope that, that you find this beneficial and helpful. Um, so we're currently going on a series. We're alternating between a video series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. So we're looking at how does our emotional health and our spiritual health, how do they kind of connect? And how can we, we deepen our faith looking at that? And, and then on the other side, we're going through the Psalms. What a great kind of combination of these two. And um, we're looking at Psalm 84 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Psalm 84, if you have an app, if you don't have the actual paper, open up your app, please. I'd love for you to get your eyes on this. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Love that name. If you're going to be a Christian, this is the standard. No, um, it's just a, a different translation from, from what I'm used to reading. I just like sort of how they, how they phrased things. So have a look at, at what your Bible says and Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. Your translation maybe says Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, Hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. I love that, Lord of armies. So, as best as I can see it, it, it seems that we've got sort of three main sort of stages in this psalm. And so I just want to zoom out a little bit and kind of just look at those overviews. I think... If I were to break them up into three, I would say there's a motivation, there's a reminder, and there's a qualifier. Now, my hope here really, really is just for us to have an opportunity to do a bit of a double click, just a little zoom in, kind of process this a little bit. My hope is really for us to go home this week and for us to dig in for this for ourselves. And so maybe I can give you a couple of handles, a little pointers. My, my hope is that this scripture would speak to you, not primarily now, but in, in the week. Go and dig in for yourself. God, speak to me, and I'm really trusting that, that he'll do that. So just a few little things I would love for us to, to dig out. So number one, we're looking at a motivation. Right? So when you read the psalm, as soon as you get that first line, does anyone know what psalm we're going for? 
Right? How lovely is your dwelling place? Anyone have a song that sort of comes to mind? I've been singing that song all <laughs> week. It's just got that old song. I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, but, but sort of straight away, like, oh, yeah, I, I know the psalm. Let's, let's not miss out. What is, what is the psalm actually trying to tell us? And so I, I wonder, just having read the psalm once, like, what's the general sort of feeling that you get from, from reading the psalm? Is it, is it inspiring? Is it inspirational for you? Oh, yes, I'm going to do that. Is there a, oh, I remember I've experienced something like that before. Is it one of those, oh, yes, I have a memory of that. I, I want to go back. I want to experience God like that. Maybe, maybe there's just no sense of, I, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Like, is, it, is it sort of lost? He's talking about this wonderful dwelling place of God, and it's, okay, I don't get it. Right? Does, it does it resonate with you? And so it doesn't matter what your first impression is. I want to encourage you, go home and ask God to show you afresh. Right? So if you have all these positive connotations, God, please show me more. All these negative connotations, God, please show me more. He's, he's able to speak. So those first four verses, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my God, my King. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Right, so a couple of questions. Who is being sung to? This is a song. It's a psalm. It's a song. Who's the person being addressed in this song? It's the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, not a small little band. We're talking about a host of warriors, a multitude of trained soldiers. What kind of a person can command that kind of army? I'd say there's something powerful about this God. And yet at the same time, the tone is intimate. There's an, there's an element of fulfillment and desire in this. Isn't it wonderful that we don't have a soft, naffy, sort of, oh, it's lovely, but we've got this powerful commanding, and yet they're not disconnected. They're not emotionally shut off. There's a combination of intimacy and power and strength and fulfillment and longing. Like, this is the God that's being sung to. Okay. Sparrows and swallows are even able to build a nest near this God. What is a nest for a bird? It's a home. It's a place of safety. It's a place where they raise their young. It's a place of new life, isn't it? And so there's, a, there's an aspect of this powerful, commanding, intimate, fulfilling, wonderful God where we can be at home. I can find rest. I can find safety. I can experience something of life and challenge and demand. Have you ever seen those little birds? Right? When, they, when mom comes home, there's chaos in that nest. Feed me, feed me. Ah! And a little bit of in my life just by you, God. Isn't that great? In fact, I love that they talk about birds 
living their normal day-to-day life, just being close to God. Isn't that great? The bird doesn't build a nest near the Lord and say, I'm giving up my nest. I'm giving up my children. I'm giving up everything. I'm going to be a pre... No. The bird is living life close to the Lord. Hasn't this been the Christian question for 2,000 years? How am I supposed to live this life? Right? I, I give my life to Christ. He's given his life for me. I give it to him. What, what am I supposed to do? I, I, I'm going to become a pastor, right? Isn't that the obvious one? Shouldn't I go and study theology? Shouldn't I get a master's in divinity? Shouldn't I give up everything? I'm, I'm, I'm signing up with a nunnery, right? I'm going to the monastery. And, and, and this is the question that we've lived. How do I live my Christian life? And there's this element of even a bird can live their life. They're, they're living their life. They're building their nest. They're feeding their young. They're dealing with lack of sleep and all the issues that come with that. And it's to be close to God. Hey, guys. Hey, isn't there something here? The goal of our faith journey is to be close to God. And perhaps God has called you to something unique. But perhaps he's also called you to, to live. Be close to him. Live. I love that. That's incredibly freeing for me. You don't have to be the preacher, the duomini, the whatever it is that you think you need to be. What's God put in your hand? Maybe God's going to call you to do something else. But for now, be with God and carry on doing what you're doing. But be with God. Oh, yes. Yes, that that gets something going in me. And so what's the purpose of this song? Right? We're, we're singing to this amazing God. and we're, Is this psalm supposed to be a, right, here's the standard. Y'all better be with the Lord. Because if you're not, if your heart is not yearning for Him, are well, you going to crack that whip? Do, do, you, do you feel that when you read the psalm? Is there, is there that, that sense of like, oh, I'm not there. I don't think this is a cracking the whip song. You know those motivational videos? Have you ever watched those motivational videos, especially on YouTube, right? And I don't know, it's the training motivation, or I don't know what it is, but you've got to get up early in the morning, and you're going to train hard, and you're going to get, and, and, that, and of course, there's the music and the whatever, but what are they showing you? They're showing you what it could be like. They're not cracking the whip. They're trying to inspire. I think this is a psalm of inspiration. God satisfies. God satisfies. It's amazing to be with God. Not, mm, if it's not amazing for you, you've got problems. No, 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 no. That's not where this is going. And sometimes we need a bit of a, a motivator from the Scriptures, don't we? Sometimes we need a bit of a, yeah, it's, it's good to be in our God. Don't, don't forget that. Right? Highs and lows, and sometimes in the lows, we need a reminder. And so... I think we have here a motivation, and I think point number two, we have a reminder. We, we jump into verse five. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And yes, a, a lot of the translations will say blessed are the people. Blessed to the point of happiness, happy, truly happy, true joy, true satisfaction, true fulfillment, true blessing. Is found when our strength is in God. 
The great C.S. Lewis, maybe you've heard this quote a hundred times over. I think it's a great quote. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Where is happiness really found? Ultimately, truly, it's in God. Does that mean I shouldn't find anything in this world happy? Nope, not allowed to enjoy stuff. No, no, that's not what this is saying at all. But our happiness needs to find its right place under the ultimate happiness, the ultimate fulfillment of God. And isn't, isn't this about priorities? Because when my ultimate happiness, when I, when I add God into my little room of satisfactions, right, I still have to guard my other fulfillments and my other satisfactions. That's very anxiety-provoking and inducing. Because I've got to guard that stuff. If this goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because this is my true source of happiness. And I'm going to fight and defend and get all crabby and agitated and aggressive or sad or whatever it is. And, and when that finds its rightful place under God, He's my ultimate source. And these things make me happy. These are fun. I don't know. Do you like surfing? Do you like cycling? Right? Does, does food bring you joy? Does nature bring you joy? Does learning bring you joy? Are those bad things? No, those are gifts from God. And when they're taken away, does your life crumble? Because then they haven't found their rightful place. When we say, God, you are my source, you are my joy, ultimate fulfillment, ultimate blessing is found when God is our true strength. So it's a wonderful reminder it's, it's, not, it's not the pendulum swing. No good stuff. Only God is my joy. Yeah. No, God is my joy, and, and everything else should find its place in that. And the second part of this reminder is that being with God is like a journey. What's a, what's a pilgrim? A pilgrimage is a journey. What's a pilgrim? A person who goes on a journey. A journey to where? A holy place. doesn't matter what religion we're talking about, a holy place. And so the pilgrims in the Bible, in the Old Testament, they're taking a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, where the temple is, which is where God is. And so we go to the presence of God, and we journey to that place. And the New Testament uses this analogy regularly, and we're on a journey. And as as Ings was reminding us, as we go on this journey, we need to endure. We need to be reminded sometimes on the journey, things are tough. And, and we need to be motivated. We need to look and say, what's at the end of the journey? God is. God, in whom I find my strength. God, whom I can build my life on and find fulfillment and find satisfaction and, and find that, that joy. But the psalmist reminds us that on the way, verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, not they could pass, if they pass, no, no, as they pass through the valley of Baca. It's a given. Baca is coming, right? So who or what on earth is the valley of Baca? 
little bit of a translational difficulty as far as I can understand when I read the commentators. Some of you may have a valley of weeping, a valley of tears. It doesn't matter how you interpret it, all commentators agree that the valley of Baca is a valley of a desert. It's a dry, difficult place to go through. And when you're on a long, hot journey in Israel, desert, hot, you need water. You don't find water in the desert. You don't find that fulfillment, that satisfaction, those basic needs. We're going to go through some valleys. Now, let's be careful here. I'm going to do the, do you know what a pendulum is? You know those old school clocks? And you get the pendulum swing. Right, so here's what we do. Is we, we do the extreme. Uh, on one extreme, I need to be careful here. On one extreme, we have the prosperity gospel. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Yes. Valleys, no more valleys. None. Jesus took the valley for you. Any valley, lack of faith. Curse from the devil. Ah. Hmm. I, the problem is, is I don't really see that as the tone of Scripture. What do we do with the early church then? What do we do with the apostles who were crucified, beheaded, sawn in half, etc., for the sake of God? There's valleys that they had to walk through, but they considered that worthwhile. It was worth doing those things for the sake of Christ. Not so that they could earn their way to heaven, but because of what Christ had done for them. And they wanted to share this with others, and were told, you better stop that. And they said, I can't. This is too great. So they said, fine. We'll take you out. And they said, fine. It was worth it for them. That's a pr prosperity gospel. No valleys? No, there's definitely valleys. Right, then we, we go to the other side, say, oh, the Bible's full of valleys, full of terrible places. Right? Give up everything. Poverty. That's it. Right? We just... Give it up. You've got to suffer. If you're not suffering, you're not a good enough Christian. Oh. <sighs> doesn't, doesn't God supply your every need? Isn't fulfillment and joy found in Him? Doesn't Scripture say that every good gift comes from God who blesses you? Are we not able to get good food? I mean good food. Yeah, good food. I'm not going to talk about good food because I'm going to offend the vegans. But good food. <laughs> And I'm able to say, thank you, God, for this blessing. I'd, we can't do this pendulum swing. There's something. Now, each person has their journey. Do they not? Your journey of faith is not the same as my journey of faith. It's not the same. God may call some of us to different things. But ultimately, God is our true fulfillment. Some of us have more valleys than others. This, this, is, this is God. I, I don't understand. You may have more valleys. God may give you more grace than me for those valleys. If I'm inspired by your faith, I can't go and find a valley to jump in it. If that's not God's journey for me, I... Right, so let, let's just not pendulum swing. Let's not do the extremes. Interpret Scripture with Scripture. Scripture says this and this. What do I do with those? Let's put it all in together. And so... Your pilgrimage, your journey to be with the Lord. I'm not talking eternally one day. Even your day-to-day -day journey of trying to find God and be with Him. You may find you have some valleys that are desert 
dry places. Now, look what the psalmist writes here. He says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. In the desert place, who makes it a source of spring water? God? It doesn't say God. It says they do. The pilgrims make it a source of spring water. That means they bring water with them. They're able to find water in those, those places. What you need, the essentials for living, they make it a source of spring water. How is this possible? John chapter 14, verse 4, Jesus says, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John chapter 17, verse 37, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out from within them. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our direct connection with God. God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit within you. It's the spirit of the living God. It's the spirit of Jesus, our direct connection to God. I don't have to go to a holy place. God's spirit living in me makes me the holy place. And together, we are being built into a dwelling place for God. Coming together like this is a unique place to connect with God. Something profound, something spiritual, but even myself at home, at work, in a hard moment, in a hard conversation, just tap out for a second. Oh, yes, God, there you are. There you are. And hopefully you get to the place where I don't even have to tap out. In that moment, I can just say, God, here you are. Here you are. You are my source of life, my source of satisfaction, my source of true joy. Now, I am well aware that that can sound so nice in textbook, doesn't it? Right? Isn't that just what the preacher should say? And when I go into my week and I find this difficult, can I live in that? Some of us sitting here going, that's just not real. I don't want to belittle difficulties. And I don't think the psalmist is trying to belittle difficulties. You go through a desert place, you feel like you're dying. It's hot and this sticks. I don't think God wants to belittle that and minimize that. Some of us are facing real, real hard challenges. And I might not be able to cope with the challenges that you currently have. But what we are being called to, what we are being shown as possible, is that we can find God in these moments who will supply what we need. And I might think, what I need is this. And God's saying, my grace is actually enough. I'm going to give you this. And sometimes people come out the other side and say, that hardship was the best thing that could ever happen to me. I, I'm still blown away by stuff like that. Really? You want to go through all of that? My dad... Two rounds of cancer, second round, not going to make it, comes through it, makes it, cancer 
gone. Why him, not others? I don't know. That's his journey. And then for my dad to say, that chemo is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. But I tell you what, I'm so grateful for it. What? <laughs> what? Okay. A place of springs in a desert. I can't explain that. He's managed to find God somehow in that moment. Sure. So I think that this is a motivator and a reminder. Reminder is God's, God's the one who ultimately is going to satisfy you, and that journey is going to be ups and downs, but He's able to make springs. You are able to make that a place of springs and for God to satisfy you. And so thirdly, there's, there's a qualifier. Verse 9, the psalmist writes, Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. So to ask God to consider something is, is to look at it. Right? Turn your face towards it. Look, look on our shield. Look on our anointed one, the one who's empowered by God. Who's God looking at? Who is your shield? Who is your anointed one? Matthew Henry, Henry the Puritan writes, in all our addresses to God, we must desire that He would look on Christ, His anointed one, and accept us for His sake. We must look to Him with faith, and then God will look with favor upon the face of the anointed. We, without Him, dare not show our face. Another commentator writes, let but the Lord look upon our Lord Jesus, and we shall be shielded from all harm. Let him behold the face of his anointed, and we will be able to behold his face with joy. And so, why should God bless me? Why should God fulfill me? Why should God satisfy me? And there's a, there's a great reminder here. Because of Jesus. I mean, that's not the Sunday school answer that I'm trying to get to. Why, because of Jesus, should God bless you? No. Because Jesus died for you and me, taking our sin upon himself. Because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to do this. God wanted us to be reconciled to him. There's absolutely no reason why God should bless you and me. And yet Jesus takes upon all of our gunk on himself and gives his perfection, his righteousness, his faithfulness to us so that we are able to be with God. Because of that, God is able to bless us with his presence. God is able to give us many good things, but ultimately himself that we don't deserve. And so as I go through that valley, am I saying, well, God... I've done all these things. It's about time I saw some springs. No. Now, as I go through that valley, I'm saying, well, God, ultimately, I've rejected you. I've turned away from you. I've done things my own way. I don't deserve any goodness. But thank you for Jesus. I'm trusting on Jesus. I'm relying on Jesus. 
as I pray, I know I have no right to just rock up before you and start laying down some requests. But as I come to Christ, I take a lot of confidence from what he did on the cross. It's not my work, it's his work. And so thank you, God, you accept me because of Christ. There's nothing separating us anymore. And so I want to rest on you. I want to find strength in you. I want, I, I, just, I want to be close to you. I want my life to be close to you. I want to, I want to build my nest and live my life by you. Thank you that I can do that. And I think then the psalmist is saying, you will find that satisfaction. You will find that fulfillment you are looking for. You will find those springs there. God is kind and God is good through Jesus Christ. Verse 12, happy is the person who trusts in you. Lord of armies. Lord of armies, the God who commands the hosts. He's powerful and mighty and intimate and loving and fulfilling. That's where we find true happiness, ultimate happiness and fulfillment. And so, how do I come to this place of trusting God like this? How do I come to this place where I experience something of the motivator, right? You watch the YouTube clip and you're like, yeah, I want to train. I want to, whatever, I want my life to look like this motivational video. Okay, that's a, it's a bad analogy, but you get where I'm going with this. It should be the motivator. How do we how do, we do that? And so, if we, if we go back to last week in the video, one of the, the first big things that we're being encouraged to do is to slow down to be with God. And as I journey with God, as I turn my life towards Him just that little bit more, I mean, I'm, I have a full-time job. I have a family. I've got things to do. And, I, and so this last week, I was like, okay, God, I want to slow things down to be with you. That's great. The mornings went well. Get up just a little bit early, be with God. That's cool. Once my day starts going, I'm terrible. Like, I'm convinced. You know, I'm, I'm, my lunch break, definitely. I'm going to take a little bit of time. Five lunch breaks, gone. No spiritual time with the Lord. But I managed to carve a little bit out, just a little bit, in the evenings. Lindsay and I managed to spend some time just praying together. Just that much more. Just the, the tone of my week was just a little bit more with God. And I'm saying, okay, it's a journey. We're getting there. We're getting there. I want to find moments where I can just be with the Lord. Keep that connection there. Keep, oh yes, my nest. God, I'm close to you. I'm close to you. So how do I come to this place of trusting God more fully? You, you get to know Him a little bit more. You get to be with Him a little bit more. You build that trust and frequency. Be with God. Find out who He is. What's He like? How does He interact with you? You'll find that He's trustworthy. We can put our trust in Him. Now, sometimes we need to make some hard decisions. I'm going to cut this out. Gonna, maybe. Maybe you feel convicted about some things. That's great. Or maybe it's a case of just, just, just two minutes over my lunch break. Just a little. You know what? Let's try and pray together at night. That's also great. So what do you, what do you think will help you be with God just that much more? Build that trust with God that much more. So I'd love for us from this psalm in this week, read it again, double click on it. Just let God 
Let that meditation sink into your mind and your heart just a little bit more. Take motivation to be reminded. Ultimately, it's God who satisfies. There's a journey. And remember who qualifies you to do this and to lean on Jesus and the work that he's done.